the original form of Krishna in, in going all throughout India. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's said that Krishna never steps a foot outside of Vrindavan. Mm. But it appears that he does, <laughs> because he goes to Mathura, he kills Kangsa, and then he goes to Dwaraka, establishes a, a metropolitan uh, fortress there. Mm. So even that brings up question. And, of course, it's parallel. It's because the Gaur-lila uh, parallels Krishna-lila. I've likened it to a uh, reversible jacket. Right. So if you have a golden jacket with black cuffs and collar, and then you reverse it, it's a black jacket with golden cuffs and golden collar. So Gaur-lila and Krishna-lila are the same. Gaur-lila is an extension of Krishna-lila, but it's it's a particular extension of the lila that serves to facilitate that which Krishna-lila um, did not afford Krishna. The full taste of Rasananda that he saw was embodied in Radha and thus wanted to, to know what it is, what was the nature of her experience. His existential crisis that I referred to this morning is that basically seeing the love of Radha in the Ras, Rasapanchajai, in the, in, the, in the Bhagavat, Rasalila, uh, he was caused to, to question his own position um, as the king of love, as Rasaraj, the, the, the Raj, who knows everything about Rasa, hmm? had all aesthetic uh, experience of love he's, he's privy to. Hmm? And that being his name and, and position as asserted in the, in the scriptures, he nonetheless was caused to question it because he understood that the experience of Radha in Rasa exceeds anything that I have experienced. My experience is weak in comparison to that. And so it was an existential crisis because he thought, am I who I have scriptures say I am. <laughs> and then, of course, he realized, he reasoned about it, and he realized that, no, it's all right, I am who I am. Hmm? I am Rasaraj. And it's something in me that makes her feel this way. So it is me. Hmm? What makes her, it gives her the experience that she has that exceeds my experience is derived from her preoccupation with me. So, I'm okay, but I'm not at the same time. I, I am the reservoir of rasa, the rasika, but there is something in me that only she experiences. So I would, to be, really fulfill my name on the sly, so to speak, I have to 
step into her position and try to experience myself from her vantage point to really be all that I am said to be, so to speak. So this is the genesis then of Chaitanya Gaurila, where there is the reversal and Krishna takes the position of being the, uh, the, 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 the vessel, the embodiment of love rather than the object of love and tries to experience himself from her perspective, a difficult thing to do. It's a tra- transcendental, transgendering of sorts. <laughs> Krishna trying to experience himself from Radha's perspective. And you get the result is the androgynous Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha and Krishna combined should be popular in today's world. <laughs> Very pertinent and, and relevant. Um, so, the reverse out of the Leela then, uh, Krishna becomes the sacrificer like Radha, rather than the enjoyer. He takes the sacrificer's side and God as devotee. Of course, that's, that's a very good example for us. If God becomes a devotee of himself, then we learn very well from him. How to uh, do the same example speaks louder than precept, and he very much taught by example. But at any rate, the point is that I'm making is that, and briefly, is that Gaur-lila is the extension of Krishna-lila, where the limits of Krishna-lila are exceeded and Krishna is afforded the full experience of rasa, the experience of Radha. And so there's a parallel between the two leelas. They're the same, but they're just turned around a little bit. Therefore, as you're reasoning, the statement that Krishna never leaves Vrindavan should apply to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu never leaves Navadweep, which is the manifestation of Vrindavan in Gorlila. But he appears to have left and gone to Jagannath Puri, Orissa, South India, and so forth. And, of course, I'm saying that it seems that Krishna left as well because he went to Mathura, he killed Kamsa, and uh, went to Dwaraka, and so on. So how to resolve it? all. Um, in our teaching, the, our teaching is based on a metaphysical or meta-narrative, philosophical, metaphysical um, uh, canvas on which the art of the Leela of Krishna and our ideal is, 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 is drawn. And that's called a termed achinti beda beda, just like you have advaita vad, dvaita vad, sura dvaita, vishishta dvaita, dvaita dvaita. This is dvaita dvaita achintya, achinti dvaita dvaita, or achinti beda beda. Bed, bed abed. Bed means non difference. Abed means difference. Hmm. It refers to the transcendence and imminence of God. Is God in the world? Is God beyond the world? Hmm. Um, uh, is reality monistic or dualistic? There's different ways in which it, it can be uh, thought about. 
And um, so there are different schools of thought of Vedanta, Vedanta on, on the subject hmm. that try to balance these two uh, perspectives. Oneness and difference. Is the jiva one with Brahman or different? And sometimes the Shruti, the Upanishads, speak about oneness between, for example, jiva and Brahman. Sometimes they speak about difference. So the logical perspective, if, if you will, is that it can't be both. It's got to be one or the other. And so different philosophers have tried to um, slightly do away with one <laughs> and emphasize the other, so to speak. You have a dueta has to do away with the 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 abed altogether. You have the dueta vad that's trying to do away with the, the bed altogether, and, and then you have shishta dueta, qualified dueta, shuddha dueta, purified dueta. All these different terms. But our term is particularly interesting because there's bed and there's dueta dueta also. Sometimes one, sometimes different. Hmm. But that's not what the, the, the founding acharyas of Gaudiya Vedanta are saying either. That's an embarka position, a different school. When we say dueta dueta or beda bed, we add a significant, important word, achintya. Achintyabedabed means not sometimes one, sometimes different, but one and different at the same time in interpenetrating sense. Hmm? Now, if it's hard to grasp, it's supposed to be in terms of it's from a logical, rational perspective. Hmm? It very much in the simplest way says that reality transcends the limits of our, our reasoning. Hmm? And it's a it's a literal, in a way, reading of the sacred uh, texts. The Bhagavad, our main text, is, gives many examples of this. To cite one or two, uh, Krishna was uh, reported by Balaram and other friends to Mother Yasoda. He was told on uh, that... Krishna has eaten dirt. Hmm. And uh, Mother Yasoda took it very seriously. Sometimes amongst young boys, then some will say something about another in order to get him in trouble, hmm. even when it isn't true. Hmm. It's the nature of the brotherly love. Hmm. So, he may have reported something to his mother about him that wasn't actually true, then she'd get upset with him and they'd have a big laugh about it, go into hasyarasa. Mm. But in this instance, Balaram was himself part of the reporting. So Mother Yashoda took it seriously because, of course, he had been instructed from early on to watch out for, for your younger brother and look over him and report on him. Mm basically. I've described him as the Mariada Purusha in Krishna's life. The person who looks over and makes sure he's, he's behaving appropriately. It's kind of the duty of the elder brother to look after the younger brother in that way. 
So when he also testified as to the fact of Krishna's eating dirt, I mean, it's rather uh, disturbing for Mother Yashoda to hear that because it makes her think, well, my breast milk isn't good enough for the Nanda Maharaj is the king of the cow herds and his milk from his herd is not keeping our, our son from eating dirt. So, problem, crisis. Right? So she confronted him about it and of course he lied about it. He said, no, it's not true. I haven't eaten any dirt. And, um, and then... Uh, he said, and, and, and look in my mouth and see. So that was, of course, a problem because obviously he, you know, the fact is he did eat the dirt and if he opened his mouth he would be, be found out. Hmm? So this is a kind of a, a uh, an error on Krishna's part in the ecstasy of Vatsalya Rasa. But he was covered for by his Aisvarya um, Shakti who doesn't have much opportunity to serve in Vrindavan, but had an up a chance here that was presented to her. Hmm? So the Aishvarya Shakti manifested the vision for your soda, which is a real vision, but then what's real, as I said the other day, this morning? The blind son has lotus eyes? That's real, hmm? from the vantage point of the mother. So the real in one sense, was everything is inside of Krishna. She looked in the mouth, and Aishvarya Shakti showed a vision that inside of Krishna's mouth was the whole universe. And inside the universe was Vrindavan, and there was Krishna, and there was Mother Yasoda looking in his mouth. And then again and again, all the way down, Krishna's all the way down. Tell it to Bertrand Russell. So, <laughs> uh, in, in, in this, the question arises, is he in the world, standing before Mother Yashoda, or is the world in him? Which is it? it can only, are you in the world, or is the world in you? It's one or the other, Okay. And the Bhagavatam is saying, without saying it, if, just, if you just take it to use a phrase of our Guru Maharaj, as it is, it says it's both. You think too much. It's both at the same time. Hmm? This is a, to use a, a popular now, kind of a sexy theological term in the Western world today. It's a, a panentheistic uh, perspective. Hmm? Not theistic, not pantheistic, but panentheistic. Hmm. So the N is a <laughs> is a big word. Hmm. Theistic means, classically speaking, there's the God and He's up there, hmm. and there's a distance between Him and the world. And pantheism means the world is God. Hmm. So in both of these, there's a there's there's a loss. In theism, there's a loss. Um, of intimacy with God. Hmm. He's not like us at all. There's a distance between the world and the God. The world becomes profane. God becomes um, holy. Hmm. 
and we have a world-denying perspective in order to become holy. A world-denying or a world-exploiting uh, also. You can take that turn. Hmm? The environmental crisis is said to have arisen out of the Christian perspective in Europe. Hmm? That took this, drove the spirits out of nature. Hmm? And said it was all in the one God, and He's up there, hmm? and uh, and so forth. So it then licensed, so to speak, an exploiting of nature on the part of the children of God. Hmm? So God would be happy if we were happy. So take the bounty for ourselves, and there's no need to worship the world. We can do whatever we want to it. Hmm? There's no God in it. God's up here. Hmm? So this is the origin of the environmental crisis, this theistic perspective. And then the other side, you have the pantheistic perspective, which is more Eastern. Hmm? It finds its place in Europe in, in Spinoza. Hmm? Um, but uh, it, uh, the pantheistic perspective much predates him in, in India and I think he must have turned to India a little bit to, to uh, come to that perspective but the pantheistic world does away with a transcendent reality hmm? and the personhood of the Godhead hmm? so makes for a less lovable in another sense. In the theistic perspective, at least you've got the person, but he's like a little unapproachable. He has no face or whatever. You know, they depict him like that at times. Hmm. But in the pantheistic perspective, then the personhood of the Godhead disappears. So these are two kind of like different, fully imminent, fully transcendent perspectives. But the panentheistic is the, is the best of both, then, hmm? because God is in the world and beyond it at the same time. He is the world and He is beyond the world. There are a number of Christian panentheistic perspectives now appearing on the theological uh, landscape, but the Gaudiya Vedanta panentheistic perspective is much older, and and it. it um, it's a little bit different in some respects from the modern panentheistic Christian perspectives in which there's not a lot of a real clear sense in which God is, while he's in the world and different from the world, what he's actually like. In other words, how he, that's a little vague. So there Mark point of view, other problems as well with that. But anyway, hmm. um, how we got to there, I'm not sure. But um, you're talking about um, yeah, the way Mahaprabhu is and Krishna are related to the world, and I think headed to how they're related to Vrindavan. Does anybody have any windows down in their car? There? I do. <laughs> I'm just following orders, Cyril. How about the Bar Ashram? 
Ah, uh, yeah, we could go there. It's a nice place. There's cows. Okay, it's not far. Huh? The cows saved us from the rain. Let us in their house, cow palace. So, so we were talking about the fact, the idea of beda beda, chinta beda beda, um, transrational, to be sure, perspective, in in one sense more 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 so than other um, forms of Vedanta, and at the same time a very kind of literal reading of the environment, and so the example recited from Bhagavatam in the Leela. Krishna, is Krishna in the world or is the world in Krishna? And the answer, of course, is, is both. So this is, a, as I say, a panentheistic perspective. And I think we brought that up in relation to the, the idea that love of Krishna and Krishna are one and different at the same time. So you can't have a teacher without students. There's no meaning to that, either, either one. So... The, uh, if the, if the, if the, as the Upanishads say, that the Brahman is rasa, then there's a, a dyad, you know, a two that's introduced there. You cannot have rasa without two. So there's some, some kind of, uh, internal, uh, uh, duality within the context of the singular Brahman, absolute. Hmm? And, um, so the two, Radha and Krishna. And Radha, as we were saying earlier today, embodying love of Krishna is, uh, and the deity of bhakti, there's a little bit of Radha or Hladini in every bhakta. Mm-hmm. And so, because love of Krishna and Krishna are one, it is, in, in the very least, in this sense, that... Krishna never steps a foot outside of Vrindavan, even though he appears to do so by going to Mathura and Dwaraka. Indeed, when he is in Dwaraka, his metropolitan fortress, fortified by the gods and goddesses and so forth, and there he, uh, uh, when... uh, Just to give an example, when there, on one occasion, it's described by Sanatana Goswami that the, uh, the, the residents of Dwarka were, were reluctant to speak about Vrindavan because they knew very well that within their Dwarakesh Krishna, these feelings for Vrindavan were uh, percolating. Hmm? And if they should come to the surface, he might leave them and, and never return. They knew the power of that love in the midst of their own love for him. They could understand that he was not entirely there. Swayam Bhagavan is not entirely there. This is a philosophical sense in which Krishna, who goes to Mathura and Dwarka, is not in the same Krishna in Vrindavan, so the Krishna in Vrindavan didn't literally go anywhere. Hmm? 
But then again, Maturash Krishna, Dwarakesh Krishna, they are Krishna from different perspectives. Dwarakesh Krishna is perfect, of course. Maturash Krishna, the Krishna of Matura is more perfect. And Vrindavan Krishna is most perfect. So, <laughs> and these different uh, manifestations of Krishna, of course, is relative to different types of love. So this is the way in which the love and the object of love are one. According to how the love appears in the heart, then Bhagavan will show his innumerable, innumerable faces to innumerable devotees. Jedatamam prapadyante as he says in Gita, as they approach me, then I respond accordingly. Hmm? So, at any rate, in Dwaraka, there was some talk about Vrindavan, and Krishna was these feelings for the for the Brajbasis started to percolate a bit, and it was a cause of Concern, and 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 some, Rohini, who's a Brajbasi, Balaram, Brajbasi, they very much spoke up in 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 in, um, in the spirit of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, hmm? and encouraged Krishna he should return to Vrindavan. They're waiting for him, so on and so forth, and. Um, There was discussion back and forth, but anyway, in the context of discussion, Rukmini testified, the principal queen of Krishna, that it's a fact. His heart is actually in Vrindavan. And in, indeed, in his sleep at night, sometimes, um, I hear him calling out the name of Lalita, Radha, Vishaka, Sridham, Subal. So... He, he, he's, he's there. He, he's not entirely here. Something like that. Satyabhama said, you know nothing. Very haughty type. She said, you know nothing. Hmm? And uh, he, she said that even when he's awake, I've heard that kind of thing. I perceive that in him. Even when he's awake, he's not entirely there. Hmm? It means that Krishna is entirely there in a way that corresponds with their love. But there's more to him than their particular love brings out. Hmm? That more they have no access to. They know that it exists. They're satisfied with their own love, but they're a little dissatisfied <laughs> at the prospect that if he should follow his heart entirely, then they'll be without him. Yes? Yeah. 108 times to be with his various wives in Dwarka. Yeah. Why couldn't he then expand himself and be with the gopis at the same time? Yeah, well, there's a good reason for that. And a good question, too. But, and I'll answer it. And so, the, the point I'm making is that that in Krishna's apparent absence from Vrindavan and his physical, if you will, presence in Dwaraka, the inhabitants of Dwaraka, the queens of Krishna, know that 
in his absence from Vrindavan and his physical presence in, in Dwarka, he's actually more present in Vrindavan in his apparent absence than he is in his apparent presence here. Hmm? And this, the point is what? That love of Krishna, sometimes people want to dismiss the existence of God and they reason along certain atheistic lines to dismiss God. But it's more difficult to dismiss love of God, especially when it's manifest in the mystics. You can dismiss it because it happens usually away from the... Hub in the, uh, the hubbub of the world, the Big Apple, uh, and so which is rotten, and it's happening in a, in a, in a quiet place somewhere, hmm. Hmm. away from all that is that is distancing people from from God and so forth. So, uh, and 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 then and then the mystics are speaking a different language altogether. They're speaking the language of love, and it's not very well understood. Hmm? In a world where often even reason is not the language. And we have a, 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 the majority of the population is dvipadapashu, two-legged animals. Hmm? Animals are not said to, to be uh, as rational as humans, humans are thought to be distinguished from animals by a considerable measure of rationality. Hmm? And so the language, if you will, of humans and its culture that corresponds should be the language of reason, translated, expressed as German or English or, or Hindi, as may be the case. But reason is limited in terms of its uh, power to shed light on truth, the entirety of truth. It's a limited vehicle. We talked about jnana this morning being sattvic. So sattva is good, but nirguna is better. You need something nirguna to go to the nirguna, beyond the gunas. The gunas bind you, they don't liberate you. Sattva guna may give you the insight that you should be liberated, but then you have to get help from the other side to do that, to accomplish that. So, Especially in bhakti, in Leela, the language is love. It's not Sanskrit, it's not Bengali, and, and, you know, Hindi. Uh, it's, it's, it's love. Hmm? It's love. And it's not, it's not the language here. So mystics who, who, who enter there, and then they come back from that world, if you will, to try to speak about it from their samadhi, then they try to translate love into, 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 into reason hmm? and it's not even the way people reason people reason away love hmm? in the full sense of the term so anyway they're hard to understand the mystics with this some guy over there so one guy over there you know he he stopped eating and sleeping must be something wrong with him hmm? he doesn't talk so what uh, he's quiet over there you know. Never mind, he solved all the economic problems, all the national social problems are all resolved by him for himself. And what he does is free. Anybody could do it, or she does, anybody can do it, it's free. 
And really, it is true that this, this, this mystical pursuit, as we become accomplished in it, then obviously you, you are uh, solving the, the environmental problem, you're solving the economic problems, the, the problems that arise from nationalism, hmm? the borders, hmm? the borderline. Hmm? And so forth. So, but because it's only one person here, a roomie over there in in uh, the Mid East, and a, a Chaitanya, and a few others in India, <laughs> it's a little popular over there in India, a, a Jesus over there, um, a. Um, She's there too in Europe. I'm thinking it's in America, somebody like Father Chief Seattle or somebody. <laughs> right? So a few voices here or there. Some poets, you know, what do they know about anything? They, they, uh, and this is an example, of course, the, the language, again, back to language that facilitates the expression of, of love, a love that transcends reason, but is a kind of knowing that transcends reason. It's often voiced in poetry, and so you can't even sort it out what they're trying to say unless you really pay attention or unless you have a real need. Hmm? So, um, it's in one sense, love of God is dismissed, but if we look at it and don't inappropriately dismiss it, look carefully at it, then it's difficult to dismiss it. In other words, someone who can step back from the world and live for all intents and purposes independently of it through spiritual practice and demonstrate for the most part, if you will, that consciousness is not dependent upon matter and that in the Zen sense that less is more. They can they demonstrate this. That It's really unfair to ignore this example, if you want to be objective. So, really, realistically speaking, it's more difficult to dismiss love of God than it is to dismiss God. Hmm? And then, of course, there's no meaning to love of God if there's not God. We may dismiss Krishna as some mythological figure that uh, does all these fantastic things that are impossible. Hmm? Um, sometimes devotees are fond of of, of um, proving the historicity of Krishna. And we found coins with Vasudeva's name on it in the cave. And Krishna is a real person. He's not a myth. Hmm? So that's not a very useful um, pursuit. Because even if you could establish, and some people have to their satisfaction, the historicity of Krishna, you will end up with a Krishna that's not the same one in the Srimad Bhagavatam. He's not doing all the wonderful things that make him attractive. Some some guy got on a coin, so what? <laughs> but he, he's not lifting Govardhan Hill, right? bewildering even the gods and so on and so forth. That is the Krishna seen through the eye of Vyas in Samadhi. Samadhi Dinusmarata Dicheshitam Premanjana Turita Bhakti Bilochanena Sandasareva Vidayeshu Vilokayanti Yam Shama Sundaram Achintyaguna Swarupam 
his achintuguna swarupam, his inconceivable qualities and form, and uh, uh, that's not seen through a physical eye. Even if you could see him, is the teaching, with a physical eye, you have not seen him at all. Hmm? So it's not a very useful, it's a kind of a, you found Krishna, but oh, he's not the way I thought he was. <laughs> so, for that matter, that it's not, it's not history in the modern sense that's the last word in truth. Theology has, has some place in determining the truth, and certainly the experience of mystics and the example that they set, that is otherworldly. I mean, to control and harness the human passions is superhuman. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point. You know, Dr. Spock, well, you know, when the, I saw it on the plane once, well, the last episode of Star Trek was quite a while back, but, um, and it, it was the final journey I guess it's been re, you know, done with new people, but and and the journey was to find God, starship something, you know, to find God, and off they went. And so in the end, it was nebulous whether they, you know, did they find him or didn't they find him, you know? And so Dr. Spock was sitting next to Captain Kirk, I think his name was, and he said, "So what do you think?" And, and Captain Kirk said. I think God is in the human heart. That's where he is. We can't go there with a spaceship. And Spock kind of just went, because he, he had no human heart, right? He was just logical. He was the math guy, right? So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he can appear in the human heart. That's what it means to be really fully human, actually. We're not a human just because we have the power to reason, but because we have the the capacity in human life to love. The self is coming to the fore beyond the material influence enough that we can engage in voluntary acts. We can say please, we can say thank you, we can say you first. If you invite the cows up here for, for, for dinner, they're not going to... Let one of the, you know, they're going to go and challenge one another to, I've never seen a cow step back and say, go ahead, you, you take the rest, you know. Hmm. Hmm. So, humans are supposed to be able to do that. The, 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 these voluntary acts, these are acts of, of love, sacrifice, uh, uh, and so forth. Hmm. So, so the sacrificer, the Christ, for example, it's, it's hard to you know, dismiss the people. Now you could say these are just stories that people exaggerated and so forth. That's fine, you can say that. And there, there is a, some license for exaggeration when talking about saintly people. Hmm? When you do a sacred biography like Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's a license for exaggerating because the authors are re recounting something that really does transcend the limits of the of human uh, ordinary human experience, and so to talk about something that's completely beyond uh, the limits of human experience, with only the instruments of or the reference of human experience, you're limited. So you have to take the human reference 
and use it in such a way that it that it becomes well that sounds like you you know I'm sure there weren't really really millions of people in the Ganges and as I said this morning others are walking on their head to get to the other side to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm? but uh, for that matter as Rupa Goswami explains in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu all the descriptions of Krishna hmm, are very uh, limited in that they are uh, voiced by the mystics in language and, and, and within a context of a certain frame of reference that they have to draw examples from the limited world. That's why, for example, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami's specific Namaskara verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita is very beautiful. It's the most poetic verse, I think, that he's, he's, he's written in Chaitanya Charitamrita when he says, Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityanando Sohodito Vododai Pushpabanto Chitro Sundo Tamo Nudo. Just roll with the sound and you kind of get it, but he's got the sun and the moon rising at the same time. They don't do that. It's like the sun and the moon decided to rise at the same time. So he's using things that are very profound, beautiful, and important. If the sun didn't rise tomorrow, that would make the news. But you might not be able to read it. Hmm. be too dark. If the moon didn't rise, you know, we, we, we're accustomed to it. It's like, that, that, that. We, time, you know, we can, you can clock it, right? It's the clock. Hmm. Right. So you're living as if it's a sure thing. Sun will rise tomorrow, but it's not. <laughs> in another sense, right? Huh? But if it didn't one day, or the moon, well, that would be. We, 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 they're very beautiful things, very profound things, very significant. But we've kind of taken them for granted. Yeah, the sun. Yeah, sure. We need the sun. Moon. Need the moon. <laughs> hmm? So he he has thought about it. What is the sun rising? You can imagine his perspective. How he, what is the sun? If I was to try to explain what is the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there he is in West Bengal, where the Ganga meets the meets the the Indian Ocean and the Bay of Bengal. It's come from the Himalaya, the highest mount, Gangotri, in 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 the world, close to it, and and all the way come all the way across India and watering the plains, and giving life everywhere, and uh, through uh, with vegetation, and water to drink, and bathe, and so forth, and enters into the Bay of Bengal, and all around the flat land is the green fields of rice, and there he's standing in the early Bengali morning, and the sun, Udilaruna Purobhage, Dvijamani Gore, Ura Amani Jage, Aruna, Arunodaya, Arunodaya, this means Udai, the rising, Arun. Arun means like red and yellow, orange, saffron, this color. It's the aesthetic color of, of friendship. All of the color, all of the emotions in Indian aesthetics have a corresponding color, just like we have cold colors and warm colors and so the color of Sakya is like the color of uh, Sumati's uh, sweater, something like that, hmm? appropriately so. Hmm? 
So when you are there at sea level and the sun rises, looking across uh, and the green fields and there the sun, it appears as if this orb of the sun has just boop, just set itself down right in the field there. And as if you could just run out and touch it. It's, you, it's at that time in the morning. It's it, you can look at it. At noon you can't look at the sun. At that time you can look at it. It's the same sun, but it's come very close to us. Its Aishvarya, its majesty, has been placed in the background, hmm? and it's made itself available to us, like the Godhead does in his Madhurya expression. Hmm? pushing his Godhead to the background and appearing as the son of Yashoda, as the friend of Krishna, of Subal, as the lover of Radha. Hmm? So approachable, as I said. So that this time the sun is like that. It looks like you could just run out and, and touch it. Hmm? So he's thinking like this, oh God, how can I explain? What can I, how can I give words to my heart's experience? Which is, which is, Coming to him, you can just imagine. <laughs> Coming to him just one half of a generation away from him. The, the, the topics of Chaitanya and Nityananda, the talks of them, the way in which they influenced the people, the way in which they changed hearts, the way in which Chaitanya Dev's campaign went throughout the subcontinent of India and it created a, a revolution of Krishna Bhakti. Uh, that, that, and, and forged in, 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 in a very profound way the uh, bridged the gap hmm, between the Godhead of Advaita, which was prominent prominent uh, spirituality of the time, and people. It was thought the humans they need to take birth as a Brahman first, and then in that life takes sannyas. And then they can know God. Hmm? So God is like at least a couple steps removed, if not like, who's going to take sannyas? <laughs> That's very well. God is like pretty far away. <laughs> Forget it. Hmm? I got to take birth as a Brahmin, then I got to give up my family and take some, wander around barefooted and so forth. Hmm? So, but. Mahaprabhu, he was one amongst a number of persons at that time in India who were teaching by Nam, Satnam, Guru Nanak, Kabir, repeatedly speaking of the power of the name Tukram and Maharashtra and, and so many sadhus. And Mahaprabhu giving Nirgunam, a little different, but and in such a powerful way amongst all those bridging this gap by way of saying by Nam. Krishna comes to everyone. Where is God? Tishtami I am not in Bhakunta. Yoginam Hridayeshuva. No, I'm not in the heart of the yogi. Oh Narada says, but Yatragayantimad Bhakta. Wherever my bhakta is chanting my name, that's where I am. Sananda Goswami teaches in Brihad Bhagavatamrita that the name of Krishna is more attractive to Krishna 
than Krishna is to himself. <laughs> it is him on, in the hearts of his devotees. Hmm? That's where he is. He is not separate from them. Hmm? You understand? He is in the heart, the human heart, in as much as the full face of humanity is humans taking advantage of the opportunity that humanity affords them to go beyond reason and to, and to speak the language of love. Humanity, you have animality, humanity, and spirituality. And we have both sides to us as humans. We're in between tatasta. We have the animal side. It calls on us sometimes. And it's not so pretty. Hmm? That's where the greed comes from, the desire, the anger, and all these things. Hmm? So as I said, take it, put it in a cage, make it moral, let him out, hmm? be good. Hmm? But love is also about freedom, hmm? moving freely. That's why we're attracted to the wild animals, the deer. Look at them, they're free. We think, they just run like that. What do they know? Hmm? They're not restrained like us. That's just the self calling out to itself. Even to get out of the moral cage. Love should be free, spontaneous, no, no limits. That's, how, that's why we're attracted to the wild. It's the self actually speaking to us. It's translating that in a certain way relative to its own reality. So human, hum, humanity, the full face of humanity is to, is, if humans are distinguished, let's say, from animals by the capacity to engage in abstract thought, hmm? well, the height of abstract thought is to, is to understand the limits of, of thought and reason that, that it, it, hmm? But I'm not really getting anywhere. I can think abstractly and I can enter into a debate on a topic. And if you can too, who wins? The audience decides. And everybody thinks, oh, they're wrong. He's right. And the other side thinks, no, we won. No, we won. No, we won. Hmm? Both sides think they won and both sides are right. Because hmm? with reason you can go anywhere. This side, that side. Anywhere except to a conclusion. <laughs> a real comprehensive conclusion. You may get a comprehensive conclusion about some area of some aspect of, of the world, but about the whole thing, hmm? not possible. Hmm? So again, we're back to what we spoke about this morning. The world is, is, is just a big contradiction. Hmm? By reason, we'll not resolve it. But by love, we can resolve it. Hmm? So, the mystic, the lover of God, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Kaviraj Goswami, speaking about him, trying to say something, he says, he's like the sun. He's thinking, he's just, how much we're dependent upon the sun, but he's appearing to us, just like he does in Bengal at sunrise, as if you could go and touch the sun. It just, you could just gaze on it forever. It's so beautiful, red and soothing and friendly and... I mean, it looks just like a, like a big ball just rolled up out in the field and you could go out and 
and touch it. And it says, he, he's invoking this image to try to say something about what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu meant to those who were just half a generation before him, had direct experience of him, and then talked about it, wrote about it in, in so many verses, and, so, and, and, and it's contagious. He's caught, he's caught it. And just like his predecessor saying, Chaitanya Bhagavad, Vrindavan Das in several places in, in Chaitanya Bhagavad, they're the, so touching. When he says, when he reflects what the Leela was like, and I, I was just, just a few years after I've come, you feel that separation. You, where, what, what are you feeling there? He's saying, I missed it. And we're thinking, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> what you've got that you call missing, that's full. Hmm? You understand? In the absence, there's a fullness that exceeds uh, even the, 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 the union. In the separation, there's a union that exceeds the union. In the union, there's one Krishna. In separation, everything, everything's reminding me of Krishna. Everything. Where is he? Huh. There. And Radharani sees the dark tree and this uh, and uh, and uh, thinks it's Krishna. And it, everywhere. Or Bhav is Atmabhatmangatejaga. Every sees that the world hmm, from her own perspective. So projects her own bhava everywhere. That makes the world sacred sacred. When a devotee says, just see Here's the footprint of Krishna in Vrindavan. Then you look at it and go, hmm, maybe. You can go to the altar and they say, here, yeah, we're in the altar. We have the footprint of Krishna in the stone. And so give a couple of rupees and we bring it out. Here's the footprint. And everybody looks and goes, yeah, yeah, I think it's a footprint. <laughs> but don't, you don't say that to anybody because you go, jai, jai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Sanatha Goswami saw it. Hmm? This is the story. He used to circumambulate over downhill every day, but he was very old. Hmm? So Krishna came with it and left his footprint and said, just circumambulate this, that'll be the same. Then your vow can be complete. Hmm? So that footprint is worshipped, but this is, this is Krishna appearing to Sanatana you could have been sitting with him and you wouldn't have seen Krishna. And then the footprint. You know, you, the idea of the self-manifest deity? What does it mean? You see like a stone and it's a, they say, there's, there's here at the face of Nushinga. And then they worship the stone that's in a cave or something like that. This is, this is in the heart of the devotee. The devotee is seeing and projecting his bhava on inanimate nature and and it, it, actually be, it actually becomes that, in other words. It becomes sacred because it's the sacred vision of the heart of the devotee. Hmm? That's what we are honoring. So Nantan saw it like this. It, it's worshipable. We're worshiping his vision. We're worshiping the vision of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as seen by Rupa Goswami in his heart and portrayed to the pen 
of Krishna's Kaviraj. Hmm? That's what we're seeing. We're seeing Rupa Goswami's heart. <laughs> That's what Chaitanya Charitamrita is about. The Chaitanya Charitamrita is about Manjali Bhav. That's what it's about. <laughs> and the other things that are necessary for that to take place, as we said earlier. Hmm? That idea. Unotolzarasam sabhakti sriyam. Ujvala rasa. Is it about Ujvala rasa? What is Ujvala rasa? You know the book Ujvala Nilmani, Rupa Goswami's book. In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he, he has, in the Southern Division, description of the different rasas. Southern Division? One, two, three. Western, Eastern, Western. Anyway, the third chapter, the third section. Third. The different rasas. Hmm? Rest explains the constituents and then explains them as a composite. That's Shantaras, Dasiras, Sakiras, Vatsaliras, Madhuriras. And the section on Madhuriras is the briefest, very short. Hmm? Because he intended another whole book about the subject. That means Ujwal Rasa. It means Madhuri Rasa. Now, is that the subject of Chaitanya Charitamrita? Hmm? Gos- Krishnadas has used Rupa Goswami's verse from Vidagda Madhava. Anar Pitacharim Charat Kuranayabhatina Kalo Samar Paitam Unachodurasam Sabhakti Sriyam. That's a Namaskar verse of Vidagda Madhava penned by Rupa Goswami, paying obeisances to his deity. When Rupa Goswami came to Jagannath Puri, he stayed with Haridas Thakur, the outcast. Mahaprabhu went to see him, and on one occasion he brought all the poets with him, Sarup Damana, Ramananda Roy, and others. He wanted them to see the poetry of, Chait- of Rupa Goswami. And he wanted them to see not only what he wrote, but the penmanship which he wrote, he said. His penmanship is love of God. He said, it's like rows of pearls, so beautiful. Hmm? This is the way Mahaprabhu saw his writing. Hmm? The writing of Rupa Goswami is preserved, some of it, in Vrindavan. One devotee once told me, he said, but it doesn't look like rows of pearls. I said, Mahaprabhu saw it like that. Hmm? You have to understand what is love. Hmm? Remember? Mother called her blind son Padmalochan. What is reality? The heart of the devotee hmm? that has caused him or her to, enabled him or her to transcend and harness the human passions, that's not human. <laughs> that's why we, we dismiss the mystics. Well, they're not human anyway. So, they don't count. <laughs> we don't understand them. They speak in, in rhymes and, and so forth. Hmm? Let's have a rational argument here about whether there's God or not. And you bring in the mystics, well, they, don't, they don't count. So, can't understand them. They're not human. Hmm? And they're, they're not. They're, they, 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 if you've harnessed the human passions, then what? Hmm? And, of course, in bhakti they're harnessed by way of invoking transcendent passions. This we call rasa. 
love of God and all the transformations that that involves. So, Mahaprabhu came with Sri Rai Ramananda, said, listen to the poetry of Rupa Goswami. And so then they tested him, they tested the math of his poetry, just like in drama and art, so you've got to go to school, you have to learn certain things, how to write poetry, there's some structure to it, and so there's, there's some math to it, to it. Just like in art, it looks like, wow, or music, he's got talent, what can I say? But the musician knows, well, there's actually some math to this also. And you kind of put it together. And, so, so they asked Rupa Goswami, what is your, for example, Ramanand said, what is the Namaskar verse? So they knew there had to be certain verses in the drama to precede it. And they wanted to hear those verses, kind of like um, fundamental parts of the structure of the of the drama for it to be correct kind of a like kind of a siddhanta versus the bhava you know there's no bhava if there isn't on the platform of real siddhanta hmm? you understand that would be false bhava so forth so this is the namaskar verse anarpitacharim charat and Krishnadas took this verse and used it as his Ashirvad verse, the verse in his Mongol charm that gives a blessing to the readers. Hmm? It blesses the readers. Read this book and taste Ujjwala Rasa. Hmm? Or something supporting it, hmm? perhaps. But this is the main thrust. Like we said, other rasas are supportive. You need the supporting roles. Nityananda Prabhu is there, so he's the big support, isn't it? Seish, he's the support of the whole thing. He's holding the whole thing together. Hmm? Very important person. But not Ujjwala rasa, but Unutu Ujjwala. Unutu Ujjwala means this special type of Madurasa. That is what is available in, Madur- in, in, in Madhurya Rasa, in Gaudiya Vaishnavas, in this current. Hmm? This, so this is the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as experienced by Rupa Goswami, who was empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to explain him definitively. After all, it was in Rathiyatra that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was singing a secular love song in the Rathiyatra. It's kind of weird. Hmm? But afterwards, Rupa Goswami wrote us a Sanskrit verse in which he explained what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was feeling in his heart when he sang that song. Hmm? And when Mahaprabhu saw that, he thought, how do you know my heart? How do you know my heart? How could you understand? Hmm? It's possible, and this is the teaching of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, to be fully absorbed in the world, apparently, and fully Krishna conscious. So you can... You can sing your favorite songs. It's okay, but <laughs> only if, the, if from, from a Krishna conscious perspective, they're always transporting you. You know, there's more in the song than Vyasa Veti the Veti Va. Said so many songwriters, they don't. They, there's so many interpretations of their song, and they like to listen because there have been things they didn't even think about. I was just writing about this, but it said that to so many people. Wow. Hmm? 
So Vyasa of Vedanta said Vyasa wrote the Bhagavatam, but whether he knew the meaning, and we're not sure. But but Rupa Goswami knows the meaning. That's for sure. Hmm? Because he's in it. Vyasa is writing it. But Rupa Goswami is in the book. Hmm? He's in the Rasalila. Hmm? And he's writing about his Lila Grantas. He's writing all about that Bhagavatam, writing on the Bhagavatam from that vantage point. Hmm? Not in a proud way, it's about me, about my type of Madhurya Rasa. That was the position of Raghunadas Goswami to say, the follower of Rupa. What Rupa's about, that's Yakmi, that's the Zenith, that's what Gauri Vaishnavism is, is pointing to. Hmm? Well, Krishna, this is all this coming in his heart, just, he's just, just a, a half a generation away. Vrindavan Das, most touching points in Chaitanya Bhagavat when he says, and it was just there, and, and Krishna, Gore, and the students on the bank of the Ganges, if, if only I could be there. And we're thinking, you are there. Hmm? So, to that, that, so love of God and God, hmm, they're the same. It's, it may be easier to dismiss God, but very difficult to dismiss real ego-effacing love of God. Because the, the premise is that God is supernatural. We say, I haven't seen anything supernatural, so why should I believe in the supernatural? And we say, come. Prabhupada said, I haven't seen anything supernatural. My father believes in it, but I've never seen it. He invited so many sadhus to his house, but and one person said, "I'm going to show you a different sadhu. Come with me." Hmm? And then he met Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and his life changed. Hmm? What is the power of Saraswati Thakur at that time? To turn the heads of young men and women at a time in India when the whole, imagine the whole country was voting for. For Bernie Sanders or something, <laughs> you know, and you were saying, "Forget it. Don't go to the polls. You're wasting your time." Hmm? And you had the power to turn the people's heads from that. That is nothing. That will not solve the problem. Hmm? The problem is not the haves and the have-nots. Having is the problem. To have is not to be. The sense of being derived from having is empty. Because you don't have anything. You can't keep anything. And the more you have, the more you want. Bernie's a good guy. But he, only ma- he only makes 174000 a year. You think that's to advertise it, just you know, see how I don't think anybody in the room here makes sense I said before is my point. So <laughs> so anyway, it's not about 
from our perspective, yes, it's true, and it's good on a political level to some extent, you know, to point out that, that, that some people have so much and others have so little, and there should be a more equitable distribution of wealth. I think it's a fair, you know, it's a nice idea, and so forth. But from our perspective, those who have maybe may be more empty than those who don't have. It said, it's easier to thread a needle through the eye, an elephant through the eye of a needle than it is to what? To what? Enter what? Enter the kingdom of heaven. Get a rich man into the, the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. You don't need anything. He's got power. He can continue the illusion, right? We keep buying more things and continue. He thinks he has the prospect to, to capture it all and, and be satisfied by having. So that's our vantage point. The rich are poor. And the poor at least maybe have more teachable moment. So, and one is not materially a little exhausted, exasperated, then how can he listen to these kind of talks if he's thinking, so there's so much prospect for me in life? Then hmm. has to be a little sattvic and think, hmm, there must be more to be had. So just a half a generation away hmm, from what was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he's trying to write about that, and in, in his separation, hmm, we're finding him so much present there. This is the point. Hmm. In the separation, he's present. In his absence, he's present. So he walks apparently out of Brindavan. Hmm? And your wife asked, well, if he acts, he walks out of Brindavan and expands himself with all these queens, why couldn't he just stay in Brindavan, expand himself with all the gopis, and then go to Mathura and Dwarka as well? Right? Hmm? And the answer is that, that, that by, a, by his apparent by his apparent absence in Vrindavan, he's showcasing the love of Vrindavan. Hmm? And if you understand it properly, you realize he never really leaves. He's there, and by, as he says in Rasulila, the reason I disappeared was only to make your love grow more. Hmm? Wherever there's love of God, there must be God. Therefore, the inhabitants of Dwarka, they know he's actually more in Vrindavan in his absence, apparent absence, than he is here in his physical presence. Hmm? Love of God is one with God. You cannot have love of God and not have God. You cannot have God and not without someone who loves him and says, you're God. <laughs> you have to have the two. Beda hmm? Beda. So, Radha and Krishna one and different at the same time. Devotee and Krishna one and different at the same time. And so he, he, he appears to leave Vrindavan. Hmm? So the readers of Bhagavatam, if they read carefully, they can, they can understand the measure of the love of Vrindavan that's, that's, that became uh, stunned in his absence, couldn't move, couldn't, couldn't function really. Hmm? without him, never gave up for a moment on him. And, 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 and so Uddhava was sent from Dwarka 
from Mathura, actually, to Vrindavan, to counsel them, because he's so wise, he's Krishna's counselor and so forth. And then Uddhava realizes, I got sent here to be counseled. I came here to, to pacify them that uh, in the absence of Krishna, you shouldn't lament and so forth. And I found that Krishna is more present here than he is in Mathura. Look at these people. He, he, he's affecting them in such a way. He's got to be here. He's in their hearts. Hmm? He's in the heart of the devotee. Sadhavam, Hridayam, Mayam. The heart of the devotees are my heart. So where is Krishna? We don't need to prove where he's in the hearts of his devotees. And they go on forever, generation after generation, decade after decade, culture after culture. This one now is going by the by the what was set in motion by our Bhaktivedanta Bhakti Bhakti Vinod Paribar and the person of my, my Guru Maharaj so prominently taken to other continents and so forth, going on. Hmm? This Namsan Kirtan, Mudhan. It's imported, exported from there. The, the Prem, Premadhan of Golok through the medium of Nam Kirtan. This is the way through Nam Kirtan. Everything will come from this. Hmm? And so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is the question is, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left Navadvip and he went to South India and so forth, but Krishna never leaves Vrindavan, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu must never leave Navadvip. And, and so the Madhilila, the sannyas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He appears to leave Navadvip. Hmm. But the condition that Navadvip is in in his absence is analogous to the condition of the, of the inhabitants of Vrindavan. Hmm. And he's apparently leaving Navadvip only to talk about Navadvip, only to talk about that love, the love of Vrindavan only to pursue it in, 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 by example, show the way there. So if someone is like, I may be here physically, but if my heart is somewhere else, my mind is somewhere else, then, right? You may go to, like I said the other day, you may go to India, but if you just stay in a five-star American hotel the whole time, and you, you never get dysentery, then you never went to India. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so something like that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is Krishna. Navadvip is Vrindavan. He's always there. And he's always there in the hearts of the devotees. And more prominently, even, in the apparent separation than in the union. Their longing for him is so... And therefore, the longing of Vrindavan Das... I, oh, and I just, if, what, it, what, it, what, it, what it was like. I had the association of those who had his association, and I know that it, it's, it's contagious. Krishnadas writing in the same way. Just, just a short distance from that. Hmm? God, so, pow so powerful was his influence, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And still today. Hmm? And, he's, and, through, and his name is his nam, that is his method, the method of his madness. Distributing a properly understood. See, if you pay attention to Nam, then you you have all these kind of feelings. He's there. People will think, I've never seen Krishna, but he's in this guy. He's in that girl. For sure. Hmm? And causing that person to be superhuman. 
This is just the, this on the eye level, you can see. Mm. He or she, the sadhu, is, has harnessed the human passions. And even when they say, and with strongly speak about the limits of reason in a deprecating way at times, they're very reasonable. Mm. They don't think they're this flat. They're very reasonable. <laughs> well thought out also. And mad. That's a fact. So they speak the language of love and then they translate it into... To be a teacher, you have to speak the language of reason also. You have to translate the love into, into reason and try to express it and, and, and so forth. So that's a return and do. Does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can you maybe speak a little bit about how Vishwanath Chakravarti's commentary on Theodore going to Vrindavan and how he was seeing like um, two different realities? He was seeing sometimes that everybody looked very beautiful and fulgent and as a, and as a Krishna was there and he was at other times seeing desolate you know. Chakra, what you talk mm-hmm. He speaks about it in, in the commentary uh-huh. two planes of reality that Udava was observing while he was present. The what? The two, like two planes of reality or that he was observing like sometimes that the yeah, that the inhabitants are really blissful and happy, and so it's like the, like seeing the unmanifest world with Krishna present versus seeing the manifest. Uh-huh. Krishna's absence. Because I was going to say something too about that. There's one part in there where Nanda doesn't want to leave Krishna in Dwarka, and so he separates into two. And then all the gopis, they're also separated, and there's two parts in Vrindavan where there's a separation going on, and then there's the happy part mm-hmm. where they're all Krishna. <laughs> I mean, it's all happiness. So I was about that too. Yeah, have to go there. <laughs> yeah. All possibilities there. Hmm. I think he's just speaking about the principles of the union and. And separation, mm. different way of talking about talking about them. These are the two banks of the river of love, the two the high and the low tide of, of love of God. And so he's taking an opportunity to speak about it in Gulok and on manifestly that there is no no separation. Mm. In that Krishna doesn't apparently leave Vrindavan. He does go to the forest and so forth. But it's is it it's a Devalila, so it, the, the prakat lila is more um, characterized by separation, and the prakat lila, of course, is, is, the, is the, in that sense, is the low tide. It's the entry it's where you can where you can enter. So the separation is prominent there. Hmm. Puvarag, for example, is separation, and that's entry in into the, the, the or romantic level. Or utkantita, the same principle in, in Sakirasa. It's the entryway. It's like the low, 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 low tide. It's easier to enter the ocean than in the high tide. Hmm. So, it's just a way of talking about it.
So, yes. You mentioned there were nine main biographies. I think there are nine, yeah. All their names I don't remember, but the prominent, they're not, not all of them are thought to be uh, in concert with, with Rupa Goswami's Siddhanta, but still, people writing about them. So the prominent ones that are more or less orthodox, if you will. We have Chaitanya Charitamrita, we have Chaitanya Bhagavat, we have um, Sri Chaitanya, what is, Murari Gupta is the first one. Hmm? Mahakavya, Chaitanya Mahakavya. Chaitanya Mangal of Lochandas is, is another one. And um, Kavi Karnapur is um, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Chandradayanataka. Hmm. Also, so Kavi Karnapur is Mari Gupta's, um, Lochandas, you have uh, that's one, two, three, then Chaitanya Bhagavat, four. Chaitanya Charitamrita five, and there's two or four other ones that aren't um, um, considered orthodox. So, but still, he's been written about. It, she sends me a reminder. I think he says he'll write them to you. If you send him a reminder, he'll look it up and send you them. Yes. I'm wondering. <coughs> Well, Krishna is Lord Chaitanya, and he's trying to taste this love. And kind of loses himself. <laughs> anyway, I, I can I can see how he would have a, like separation of himself. Does, does he attain union, Krishna, or does he get a different identity? But how does this work? Krishna? Yeah. yeah is, 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 Chaitanya, is the Chaitanya avatar successful? Yeah, and how does that success play out? Asli shiva padaratam marmatam That is the answer. Hmm? This verse came from Mahaprabhu. It is the last verse of Shikshastakam. It appears at the very end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And Krishna Das says, This verse is spoken by Radharani. Hmm? Then he gives a little commentary, he explains it. It means Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is successful. He came with Krishna coming to taste the Bhavavrata. And he's with this last verse of Shikshastakam, he he attained his ideal. He's such a sankalpa, so it's given, given it will be attained. That's without a doubt. Hmm. Whatever he wants will happen. But it plays itself out in a beautiful way. And in the context of that, access to that is made available to us also. Hmm. So yes, he was successful. Is that the ultimate reflection of what the tradition is basically saying when we say Radha Dasyam, when we're serving that love so we're ultimately all serving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Manu Vishnam to taste that love, to make that ultimate. Yeah, we, we're, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is our deity, that's true. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna combined. So there's the overt manifestation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. We serve him in Dasyabhav. 
And then, in the context of that Dasyabhav, we serve Radha and Krishna in Madhurya Rasa, or as, as you have been influenced, depending, Sakyabhav, one of these two, in Vrindavan. So, but Radha Dasyam, the term Radha Dasyam, in particular, specifically, it refers to the service that the handmaidens of Radha render, because it's a type of Madhurya Rasa, but it has a Dasya kind of component to it. So the, the, the handmaidens of Radha, they, they don't want to have some vogue or direct union with Krishna. They only want to serve Radha. Their strategy is very good, because no one can come closer to Krishna than Radha. No one. Hmm? And so they think, that let me serve Radha hmm? then. Hmm? And then vicariously, if you will, as close to Krishna as she gets, the closer I am to her, the closer I will get to Krishna also. So they don't want to have direct romantic union with Krishna because they know in that I can't experience everything that Radha experiences. Better I just serve Radha and facilitate her having the experience and it will overflow to me. Hmm? This, is the, this is the math. <laughs> This is the kind of like reasoning behind the ideal of the Manjari Bhava. Hmm. So that's so. So there, Raghunath Das prays, "I don't want to be the friend of Radha." This is important. Hmm. Let me finish this point. I don't want to be the friend of Radha. Hmm. I don't want to be the Saki. Hmm. I want to be the Dasya. Radha has friends and equals, and they are all tadbhav also. They only want the bhav of, they identify with the bhav of Radha. Lalita Bishaka, they are friends of, of Radha. They have direct union with Krishna at times, but they could be group leaders, like Chandravali is a group leader with their own manjaris and so forth. But, but Lalita Bishaka, they subordinate themselves to Radha rather than being independent group leaders. So their, their, their bhav is called tadbhav, instead of sambhog, sambhogecha, tadbhavecha, might be filled with the bhav of Radha, rather than the bhav of union with Krishna. Like Chandravali is a competitor of Krishna, for example, in the Lila. So, Raghunath Das, he, he prays, I don't want to be the friend of Radha. Now who is Raghunath Das? Someone said, well, that's just Raghunath Das. That's his thing. Yeah, that's just Raghunath Das. And he's the Prayojan Tattva Acharya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. In other words, he embodies the highest ideal, Prem Prayojan, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He embodies that. And this is what he's saying. From the Madhurya window of opportunity that Gaudiya Vaishnavism affords us, this is the type of Madhurya that is being afforded us. This Manjari Bhav, not Saki Bhav. Even when, even when, even when Vrindavan Das Thakur, excuse me, even when Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami uses the term Saki in Ramananda Sambhad, the conversation with Ramananda Roy, he's speaking about the way and the goal, and he gets to the goal, and he's speaking about only by the Saki's arrangement 
Hmm? Can one have this access to Radha and Krishna? Indeed, the whole point is that Radha and Krishna's union is only possible with the Sakis. Without the Sakis, it's not possible. Hmm? That's another point. But he uses the term Saki, but then he also defines it. What Saki is a generic term. It means a female, you know, uh, companion, hmm? rather than Saka, Saki. So, uh, uh, but he defines it, he says, and these Sakis, just one short Bengali verse, you could skip over it, but but it's, it's, it's like, oh, it's like Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam of the Bhagavatam, this line. He said, and they never desire to have direct union with Krishna. Then he goes on. Hmm. So who who is that? What kind of Saki is that? That means not Nalita Bishaka, not their their um, Priya Sakis. Hmm. What is it? Paramaprashta Sakis, Priya Sakis, Sakis, Paramaprashta Sakis, Priya Sakis, Nitya Sakis, hmm. the last one, Manjaris. They never desire to have direct union with Krishna for the reason I explained. They know why. We get more by serving Radha. Hmm. We get closer to Krishna by serving Radha than, than having direct union with him, rather than being a competitor of Radha, which is also part of Rasa. That's necessary for our beginning to come out. But this is the sadhaka's window of opportunity. Hmm. That, that Gaudi Vaishnavism is, 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 is affording. Hmm. So, and, and here Raghunatha says, I don't want to be the friend. I don't want to be a Priyasaki. Hmm. Now some people think I want, want Madhurya Rasa and I write a book about that and, and I want to be a Priyasaki and therefore I'm going to say this Manjari Bhava is not everything it's not everything so you shouldn't think like this hmm. this, the, these are ideas about Raghunagabhaki that are derived from collecting information without serving somebody hmm, to, to imbibe these secrets through service hmm. Hmm. And and it means largely in the presence, especially um, that necessity arises for many of Prabhupada's disciples who who, who Prabhupada talk, didn't talk about these things at, at, in, in in depth. Hmm? He talked about it in such a way as to as to get us involved and in, in, in whatnot. And part of the involvement was, of course, to understand the value of sadhusanga, and and it couldn't be more. In, of a prominent issue for us at a time when, when, when Prabhupada was absent. Hmm? In the absence of him for his disciples, then the need arises that much more. Hmm? And then how to take advantage of sadhu sangha. Hmm? There are sadhus, if you want their sangha, you have to serve. Then you can learn something. Hmm? When my godmother, Paramadvaiti Marsh, came to Pujapadshita Marsh's ashram, wanted to take Sanya Ashram, Shridharmarsh. And so Shridharmarsh says, hey, you should accept some humble service here. Hmm. And so, and stay for some time. And so he showed up, right, in the next, within the next hour to serve Prashadam. Hmm. And so he came in and, and the devotees who were serving said, what are you doing? He said, I, I, Guru Maharaj asked me to do some humble service. And they laughed and said, this is not humble service. This is a very high service, serving Prashadam. Do you want a humble service? You've got to clean the barn over there. That is a, some humble service. So there he went. He cleaned the barn. 
So you don't do that by just pick a book here and pick a book there. And, you know, don't let anybody see it because it's, it's not written by Prabhupada. But, <laughs> this is not. This is not good. Hmm. Cheaters will be cheated. That's a fact. Cheaters will be cheated, and they'll get a false idea, a facsimile. There's some truth, and it's very hard to sort out truth from half truths. So many half truths, three quarter truths, hmm? even hard to sort out, especially for a new person. But if you're sincere, then you'll get a real guru can help you. Hmm? Settle all these issues. Hmm. Fellow told me, you see, I cannot relate to the idea of being an eternal, I shouldn't say this, but as we said, prepubescent girl. Because my whole life I've been a very um, active, um, sexually active person. So I've read the scriptures very carefully. I've, asked, I've analyzed myself and I decided that, that, that for me, I want to be a Priyasaki. Because the Priyasaki, you know, they're, they're all his friends and everything, like, but still they have some union with Krishna directly. This is not the way to determine your swarup. <laughs> okay? And then write a book about Raghunuga Bhakti, criticizing even Manjari Bhav, playing it down. Hmm? Why do you think Raghunathas wrote these verses? And who is he? And someone to argue with that? And he said, okay, anyway, have a nice day. <laughs> a new place to argue about this. I don't know what you're talking about. People follow you. And, and you're a nice person otherwise, but... <laughs> but, but these are secrets that would be learned by the serving, not by information collecting and so forth. That's important. To have good guidance. Always. Not to be our concern. We see that in the life of great, great, great souls, looking, much greater than us, and they're looking for guidance. For Narutam is praying. What is Eani Loprimodan? His prayer. And where is Rup Sanatan? Krishna Das, where have they gone? What will I do now? I'll just break my head against the stone. So this tendency for wanting association of sadhus and hearing from good sources is important. Anyway, yes. So Radhadasyam means this. This is ultimately what this is. It's a way of saying Manjari Bhav, Radhadasyam. So, so, so in that desire of Krishna to taste Radha's Bhav and showing the example, the highest example of the Bhakta, is this, I mean, this is, this is a unique kind of rasa that... Yeah. It's unata ujvala. Mm-hmm. It's not ujvala rasa. Unata ujvala. A special kind of ujvala rasa. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not personally teach it by his example. He taught he pursued the bhava of Radha. He became Radha. You cannot become Radha. Hmm? 
But what did he do? He commissioned Rupa Goswami to teach by his example. How you come, as a jiva, can come as close to what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu experienced himself hmm, by Radhadasim. And in one, two places in Chaitanya Charitam we find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also ventured to taste Manjari Bhav for a moment. Hmm, what they are tasting. Uh, so, so, I, so, I was, so I was wondering then, in proper understanding, in taking what you always say about how Chaitanya Leela, Gora Leela, is the way in, the, the, yes. the archway, really, the way in. Uh, we, I'm thinking that all the time I hear about Ragdasi and all this other stuff that one can get confused in, because we're really kind of unqualified compared to Gorli, where we really can relate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that to whatever extent we're serving the sadhu who is engaged, who's truly engaged in Radha Dasyam. Because really, yeah. in my mind, that's the only way I can that's make good. sense of it. Mm-hmm. That is actually nourishing the entire unit, the full circle, the complete, you know, round we go, and merry-go-rounds, so and just peak of rasa. Uh, because without that, essentially, then, you know, then, then the, basically, what's continually going on, all the leelas are, I forget what we call that, but basically they're always going on. Um, that, you know, it, that it's just all intertwined. So basically by serving the gurus, the sadhus who are in, truly serving in their swarup, and truly embodying Radhidasyam, then we are um, essentially nourishing the whole process of, uh, of coming to... You're part of it then, yeah. yeah. That's, you're part of it in a way that you can be part of it. Yes. So that's so. Guru Bhakti that you spoke That's Guru Bhakti, yes. And also, of course, as you said, understanding Chaitanya Lila in a sense is, is easier, and Krishna is in a form like us, right? and he's doing chanting and and worships the deity and all these things. So we follow that example. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was like the macrocosmic guru of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Chaitanya and Nityananda Prabhu. So our relationship with them eternally will be like gurus. Our guru is a microcosmic representation of the macrocosmic, the swasti guru, the samasti guru, is the macrocosmic manifestation, Gaur Nityananda. And then the, then the, and the, and the, then the vyasti guru, the microcosmic, Manifestations, how he or she appears to us in the Guru Parampara. And so we invest our energy there and we cultivate, it's one way to look at it, you can cultivate Dasya Bhakti to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that's easy to conceive. And as Prabodhanam Saraswati Thakur says, the more you do Dasya Bhakti to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the more you'll come in touch with Radha. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. So it's the way. Sri Radha Govinda Ki Jai, Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Krishna's Kaviraj Kasami ki jai. Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi. Mahaprasad ki jai. Gaur Premanandi.